regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad that you're with us today. Coming up on the program here in uh, just a matter of moments, Tim Schmidt is going to join us from the uh, U.S. Concealed Carry Association, uh, which is headquartered, you know, in the uh, state of Wisconsin. That is where Donald Trump, our uh, president, heading today. Uh, going to be visiting Kenosha, Wisconsin. Governor Tony Evers tried to uh, uh, tell him, don't come. You're only going to make things worse. Not really sure how much worse things could be there in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now that we have seen uh, several days of relative calm uh, in Kenosha after uh, last week's increasing uh, violence and destruction. And again, this is something that, you know, I think Americans uh, all across the country, not just in Kenosha, are paying close attention to, according to uh, Tim, a growing number of Americans not only are uh, purchasing firearms, but uh, they are seeking out information on uh, how to uh, uh, use those firearms in uh, lawful self-defense. That's where we uh, begin our conversation with Tim Schmidt from USCCA. Take a look and a listen. Tim, thanks so much for joining us on the program again. It's good talking with you today. Oh, my pleasure, Cam. I always love to uh, come on your show and uh, talk to your amazing crowd of visitors. Wow, we appreciate that. And uh, speaking of amazing crowds of visitors, there have been some uh, some visitors there to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin uh, recently. I, I noticed that the local police department uh, said of the 175 arrests that they've made in the past week or so, more than 100 of them uh, have been out-of-towners. I think 44 different cities represented uh, President Trump is heading to Kenosha today. Uh, I know that Governor Tony Evers has said to stay away, uh, don't come. What, what's your take, uh, you know, first of all, Tim, just generally speaking, on what has uh, taken place in Kenosha? And what do you think about uh, President Donald Trump traveling there today? Oh, gosh. Well, I guess the first thing I'll say is that, you know, when it hits this close to home, um, it, it, it just looks a little more powerful. And I mean, Kenosha, Wisconsin, I've been there many, many times. It's a, a great little city and to see the the news coverage uh, it's it's devastating it, it scares the, the heck out of me um i i think trump's uh, trip is, is a smart one i think that you know wisconsin is still a battleground state and you know and and uh the majority of, of folks in wisconsin at least certainly the ones that don't live in the big cities they love trump and they love what he stands for they love that he uh you know he's fortunate the natural born right to self-defense and and now more than ever, I mean, you can tell watching the, the news, this, this is pretty gall darn important when there's so much uh, 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 looting and rioting that, that you got to defend yourself. It's, it's, it's crazy. It is. Uh, you know, the first story that uh, I, I wrote today for Bearing Arms was a story about a neighborhood watch that is formed uh, in a subdivision about 10 miles from downtown Kenosha. Uh, these are, you know, 10 to 12 folks who are armed. They're out there every night. Um, just making sure that, you know, nobody's going into their neighborhood to start any trouble. They're, they're said that they're friendly. They don't have any problem with peaceful protest. And these are folks who've lived in that community in some cases, you know, 18, 20 years. Uh, and they've never seen anything like this either. Uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, you and the folks at uh, USCCA very, very concerned and very interested in people being able to exercise the right of self-defense. Um, but you know, as we've seen, these, uh, I don't even want to call them protests because they're, they're not. As we've seen the rioting, as we've seen the looting, as we've seen the destruction, uh, take place in towns like Kenosha or Portland, you know, we're now starting to see people not just protect their own homes and their own subdivisions and look out for their neighbors, but now they're, 
they're going to these uh, cities. Uh, I mentioned the uh, number of arrests that were made from people who were out of town in Kenosha. Um, that's happening on, on both sides. I mean, you're seeing, you know, pro-police demonstrators, uh, uh, people who don't want to see mm-hmm. these places burned down. They're showing up as well. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. I, I got to tell you, Cam, you know, when you mentioned the, in, the, in the first part of this interview about the fact that I think you said 44 of the 175 arrests were people from out of town. I mean, to me, that, that sounds like some organized, some organized plan of, of, of shipping in these, these paid protesters to, and not just paid protesters, but paid rioters to, to cause, to cause problems. Now, I, I know that, you know, some folks may, may say, well, geez, Tim, you sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I mean, there's gotta be something to that. There's gotta be some, some bigger plan behind this because it doesn't make any sense that, that that many, that high a percentage of people would be from all across the country, especially when they're there not to peacefully protest, but to cause problems. Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, I don't know how, um, I think that there is organization. I, I don't know uh, all of the details, obviously, but, you know, when you see some of these familiar faces, somebody who is arrested in Portland and then the next week they're arrested in Kenosha, um, okay. you know, is, is that uh, organized from on high? Is this now like the 2020 version of, uh, you know, going around and, and, and you know, following the dead? Uh, and instead of, you know, going to see a concert, you burn down a building and that's your world tour. I mean, I, I don't know, but yeah. I do think that there is a, a committed group of individuals. And look, we're not talking about millions of people or even hundreds of thousands of people. We're talking about, I think, a committed core of several thousand individuals uh, who are always looking for allies, right? They're always looking for new recruits. But uh, that that hardcore group of people who really do, I think, want a revolution. I take them seriously when they say they want a revolution. Uh, and that they want to burn this down, they want to build on the ashes, they want to replace capitalism with something that they believe is is going to be better. Um, but you know, they're absolutely they're they're not interested in reform. They're not interested in uh, working within the political system. Uh, they want to destroy the political system just as they destroyed, you know, some of those businesses in downtown Kenosha. Yeah, it's amazing to me to to try to understand the ideology behind this desire for for this revolution. Because I mean, I mean. Uh, certainly that the, these, these folks can, can see history just around us. I mean, look what's happened in Venezuela. You know, is, is, is socialism the answer? Heck no. I mean, look, Venezuela is, is now a, a, a carcass of what it used to be. It used to be a hugely rich country. Now it's, it's decimated. Thank you. Thanks to socialism. Thanks to, to, um, you know, to, to the, to the lack of the free market. So I, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and, and unfortunately I, I fear that so many young people have grown up, um, in this school system that, 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 that rejoices in socialism and rejoices in the uh, in the destruction of capitalism and and so for for that reason you know, there's there's no logic behind this it's just pure raw emotion and and that it makes me very nervous nervous about the future for my for my children absolutely uh, I, I think you should be nervous uh, unfortunately yeah. you know and and you're right I think that there is a there's a great ignorance of history out there um, and unfortunately you know. In, in this day and age, you kind of have to want to seek it out. You have to want to learn more uh, as opposed yeah. to just being, you know, spoon fed the stuff that you are getting in schools. And I think a lot of Americans are are ignorant, uh, not only what happened, you know, in Venezuela, but look, I mean, every uh, the American Revolution is the exception. If you think about it, uh, m- most revolutions don't end up um, with what they what, what they are fighting for. You know, the French Revolution uh, sought to uh, depose a monarch and they ended up with an emperor. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, and, and even in the United States, I mean, I guess you could say, 
uh, the Articles of Confederation, you know, lasted for what, 11 years. And all of a sudden they realized, all right, this isn't really working the way we thought it was going to. Now we mm-hmm. need a federal constitution. We need a, a new form of government. So even here we have those examples of you know, the revolution doesn't always take you down that road that you start. There are twists and turns. There are turnoffs. And it's real easy to go down that wrong path. I, I think the wrong path that they're going down right now uh, is, again, this idea that they're going to spark a revolution. I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think that. Frankly, I mean, Tim, I think we're seeing a backlash here uh, and not just from those yeah. folks who are, you know, showing up and, and protecting their communities or showing up and uh, guarding businesses or their homes. I think we're seeing a backlash from millions of Americans who will never go out to a protest. They'll never mm-hmm. go out to try to defend a building. They're watching this at home. They're talking with their kids about this, but they see this chaos. They see this disorder and it scares the hell out of them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does scare the hell out of them. And, and the reason that they won't go to a protest is because they're busy running their businesses, they're busy working at their job. And, and, and I agree with you, Tim. I, I feel that there is a very powerful, uh, sleeping giant of, of, um, of people that do believe in, in, in the free market system and capitalism and, and old school American values. And, and I mean, we're seeing that over here at U.S. Concealed Carry in the sense of there's thousands and thousands and thousands of new members. Who are joining so that they can educate themselves and and and, and be a, a more responsible gun owner so that they can be their first line of, of defense for their families and and so from that perspective that 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 gives me hope uh, and um, and sometimes sometimes hope is is all you can cling to absolutely so do you have any advice for uh, or for those folks who are uh, they don't like what's going on they don't like to see this. Um, uh, what you know? What would you tell somebody who who came up to you and said, "Tim, listen, you know, I'm 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 really ticked off of what's happening here. I'm going to take my AR tonight. I'm going down to Kenosha. I'm going to stand guard. I I know I don't live there. I live in a you know another Milwaukee suburb, but I it, it, my town is peaceful. That town's not. I'm going down there to try to restore order. What would you say to that person? Oh, oh boy, my 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 advice would be to make sure that you know exactly what you're doing before you get into a situ- situation like that. Um, you know, there's the, the the rules are a lot different nowadays. And um, un- unless you're guarding your own business, I, I would recommend that-, that you proceed cautiously. And if you do, make sure that you have have well-established awareness skills, conflict avoidance skills, threat de-escalation skills, um, b- because you do not want to get yourself caught up in, 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 a, in a riot like that because you know, logic goes out the window and it's, it's nothing but trouble. So. So, so my, my ultimate advice would be, you know, protect your home, protect your family, protect your loved ones, and, and make sure that you have your own set of skills that, that will allow you to do that effectively. That's, I think that's uh, tremendous advice, and I'm glad that you offered it. And, you know, I want to I mention or I want to go back to, to one word that you mentioned there, and that's de-escalation, which is mm-hmm. for every gun owner, for everybody who carries a firearm for self-defense, and I know that, that gun control advocates don't believe this. I know that they think we're all just a bunch of, you know, trigger-happy buffoons who uh, put on a gun every day hoping that we get to use it. Uh, that, that's the that's – the, I've never met that gun owner, honestly. Um, <laughs> no. You know, and, and so I think for those of us who take self-defense seriously, um, the best way to use a gun is to not have to use a gun, right? I, you want to be able to de-escalate. You want to be able to remove yourself uh, from those dangerous situations or to try to defuse those dangerous situations. And and looking around at the country, unfortunately, Tim, I don't see a lot of people who seem to be interested in de-escalation, including, you know, some of our national leaders like Nancy Pelosi are out there uh, saying every day that, you know, President Trump is an illegitimate leader. It seems like like the, the, the quote unquote ruling class is egging this on as well. 
Oh yeah, they they are canned. They're, I mean, they're they're literally fanning the flames, uh, not just proverbially, but but actually as well. And and uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it back to what you originally said that, that you know what your average responsible responsibly armed gun owner, it, it, it's tremendous responsibility. And and the thousands and or the hundreds of thousands that I know are 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 folks that do take it seriously. And and I'll tell you what, when you walk around carrying a gun, you are the most polite person that you've ever been because the last thing on earth that you want to have to do is to use that firearm. And, I mean, that's what we teach, and uh, it, it served us and our members well. You need, you need to have hyper-awareness. You need to understand human psychology so that so that you can de-escalate threats. And, um, and, and, and honestly, if more people were like that, this country would be better. Talking again with Tim Schmidt from uh, USCCA, and, and and Tim, you know, one final question for you. Um, you talk about the the number of new members to your organization. I'm curious, you know, what what are their reasons for joining when they're calling up? Is it just as vague and generic as you know, I'm a new gun owner and I want to make sure that uh, I know my rights and I, I know the law. I want to make sure that I'm protected uh, illegally if need be, or or is it deeper? Are you hearing stories? that are a little bit more personal about, yeah, you know, this happened to my friend, this happened to my neighbor, this happened four blocks over uh, from where I live. Because it seems like we're dealing with two complementary but 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 somewhat separate issues. There's the political violence that's taking place, but then there's also the rise in violent crime that's taking place in many cities around the country that, that is not necessarily directly connected to politics, but as police resources get diverted, uh, as police morale, I think, uh, uh, craters in some cities, you know, shootings, homicides. I mean, they're at what twenty-year highs in New York City. Uh, they're way up in yeah. Portland, Oregon. Uh, so, so what is, is one side of this coin driving uh, the growth in your membership, or is it just the general unease and uncertainty and unrest that we're seeing around the country? Okay, I, I could say it's a little bit of both. So we get about well over two thousand individual phone calls coming to our place every single day from from people that are wanting to learn more about USCCA and, and, and what we do. And, you know, it's ironic because in general, um, uh, it, it's very common for the human psyche to, to be in denial about, about bad things happening to them. And, and that's, that's a battle I've been, I've been fighting for, you know, 20 years since I started this, this, this organization. Um, not in the sense of me trying to scare people, but me, me trying to say, hey, you should expect the best or prepare for the worst. And so invariably, at least half of the time, when people go through their own self-defense awakening, it's because of the very specific incident. And so, yes, we're hearing the stories about people that live, they're living in the suburbs of big cities where the crime is just, you know, exploding. Um, and we're also hearing the stories of, of like, Hey, my, you know, my cousin got involved in a, in a thing at a gas station. And so they are hitting very close to home. And most of these people, they just want answers. And they, and, and there's a lot of mystery surrounding firearms. And, and, and so many of these folks are calling are brand new gun owners. And so they need the education and training more than anyone. And so as you can imagine, we're, we're, we're rather busy here. We're like a, a one arm wallpaper hanger trying to, <laughs> trying to get, trying to get the job done. <laughs> well, and, and so, so to that end, you know, National Shooting Sports Foundation says, uh, since January 1st, they estimate 5 million new gun owners in this country. Uh, and they say uh, of those new gun owners, it looks like almost half of them are women. Uh, growth among uh, black Americans in terms of uh, gun ownership, uh, they say that's where they're actually seeing the highest growth. Are you seeing similar trends at USCCA? Uh, actually, yes, we are. So so we in June of this year, we, 
we had uh, almost 40,000 people join in one month. Wow. Which, which is a, a huge record for us. As to the demographics, we don't track um, all that as, as, as close enough where I can give you some numbers, but certainly uh, women are, are definitely a, a, a large growing demographic. Um, we have, in, in terms of the race makeup of organization, we mirror the exact race makeup of the United States. So, so we have, you know, we're, we're, we're all on balance on all of that stuff. And, 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 but really, I mean, to me, that doesn't make as much of a difference as, as I care more about what's in our, our members' hearts. And what's in their hearts is that they want to be able to protect and defend their family. That's all they want to do. They want to feel safe and secure. And, you know, I don't, I don't care what race you are, if you're man or woman or whatever. Everyone wants that same feeling. They want that feeling of security and control and confidence that they can be, you know, their family's protector. And that's, that's what we do. Absolutely. That's why I always say self-defense is a human right. It's not a right of the right. It's not a right of people that I uh, only agree with. It's, it's a, you know, I can, I can disagree with you a hundred percent, uh, on uh, political issues, but uh, it doesn't mean that your second amendment rights disappear. Uh, and uh, again, this is something that I think is vitally important that we see this at that fundamental level beyond uh, uh, you know, political ideology, beyond the color of our skin, beyond our gender, uh, that there is that human right of self-defense. And we've got folks uh, out there, so many millions of them. It sounds like a lot of uh, new members there, UCC, uh, USCCA, uh, who are fighting to ensure that that right remains strong. Amen, Cam. <laughs> hey, well Tim. Said. Listen, man, I always appreciate you coming on the program. It's good talking with you. Stay safe up there and uh, – Hopefully we'll get a chance to check in again very soon. Appreciate Tim joining us on the program today. I know we'll be uh, having him back again here very soon. Uh, right now, though, it's time for today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will begin there with a uh, story out of St. Louis. Uh, you can see the uh, headline there, No Regard for Life. Florida police say suspected St. Louis cop killer trying to leave the country. Uh, 43-year-old Thomas Kenworthy had not yet been charged. Uh, in the murder of St. Louis police officer Tamaris Bohannon, uh, but he uh, has been identified as the suspect. And according to uh, KSDK in St. Louis, uh, Thomas Kenworthy, well-known to uh, local law enforcement, uh, Kenworthy had already served time for shooting a man during a road rage incident in Florida. He had a domestic violence incident involving his wife and children in 2019. He started off 2020 with an arrest and sexual assault charge in Florida. Several weeks after that, police busted him with a uh, what, what, what the local media describes as a, quote, arsenal of weapons inside of his car. Uh, then he missed his court date uh, on August 19th. And authorities say he was uh, trying to leave the country. Uh, Brevard County Sheriff's Department spokesman officer Todd Goodyear says uh, he and his fellow officers in Florida hope that uh, Kenworthy won't ho hurt anyone ever again after the uh, ultimate sacrifice that Officer Bohannon made on Saturday when he responded to a call that Kenworthy had once again hurt someone. The 29-year-old Bohannon, father of three, all younger than 10, passed away from his injuries on Sunday. And uh, again, in uh, Brevard County, Officer Todd Goodyear said of the uh, suspects, he has no regard for life. And hopefully this will be his last stop and he will not be allowed out to hurt anyone again. According to KSDK, police records show that Kenworthy's criminal history dated back to the 1990s. In 1995, pleaded guilty to his first felony, which was drug possession in Florissant, Missouri. Sentenced to three years probation. Violated that probation about a year later. Went to prison for two years. Actually went to prison for two years. 
on a probation violation, which is unusual in and of itself. 1998, charged with unlawful use of drug paraphernalia, pleaded guilty, sentenced to 15 days in jail in a diversion program. Okay, so a couple of drug charges, young guy, not the best choices, but at least nonviolent crime. Well, until he reached the age of 21. That's when he was charged with two counts of attempted second-degree murder, aggravated battery, other fireman vehicle offenses after police in Brevard County said he and another Missouri fugitive shot a man in a road rage incident. Newspaper uh, Orlando Sentinel reported that Kenworthy was wanted for a robbery at the time. His accomplice was wanted for a killing. The 21-year-old victim told police that he was stopped at a red light when a man in a Pontiac Sunfire started making fun of his Ford Mustang. Yep, just apropos of nothing, ponder that sentence for a second. Uh, According to arrest records, Kenworthy fired a shotgun at the victim and his accomplice, uh, rammed the Sunfire into the side of the Mustang. Kenworthy then shot the victim through an open driver's side window, ran into a wooded area, took a taxi from a nearby convenience store to a motel where he and an accomplice had been staying. He ended up escaping uh, through a police roadblock. Uh, but ultimately was arrested for failing to pay the cab driver, according to the Orlando Sentinel. Sentenced to 10 years in prison for the shooting, which left uh, the victim without three of his fingers, served just six years, so a little bit more than half. He was charged with a dog attack in 2007 in uh, Brevard County, fined $220, most of which he did not pay, according to KSTK. Spent time in uh, Palm Bay, Melbourne, Florida through 2011, and uh, Palm Bay through 2016 through 2019. 2019, police say he dragged a man out of his girlfriend's bedroom and into the kitchen, tied his hands behind his back, kept his head down, threatening to kill him. He was wearing a mask, but police uh, say that the man told him he recognized Kenworthy's voice, and then Kenworthy took off his mask, sexually assaulted the man, beat him, let him leave only after he had begged for his life. In December of 2019, he was involved in a domestic violence incident involving his wife and children. He had filed for divorce in September. In uh, January, Beverly County Sheriff's deputies got search warrants for Kenworthy's DNA as well as his car. In that vehicle, they found five rifles, two pistols, as well as uh, numerous rounds of ammunition. Again, keep in mind, he's felon, so he's not allowed to possess any of these things legally. Um, according to police, he's never really, beyond you know the uh, 10 years that he uh, was sentenced to for that violent crime where a man lost his fingers, really hadn't faced many consequences for his crimes. And he was back out of the street despite those uh, uh, violent charges from a year ago and less than a year ago. And it was shortly before 6 p.m. on Saturday when uh, Kenworthy allegedly shot at a homeless man in the uh, Tower Grove uh, neighborhood uh, there in uh, the St. Louis area. Officer Bohannon, the first to respond to the call, Kenworthy shot him in the head. Yeah. St. Louis investigators believe at the moment that Kenworthy intentionally lured police to the scene. By shooting at that homeless man. Homeless man has not yet been found, but they uh, did find a uh, shopping cart in the alley. Officer uh, Goodyear there in Brevard County says he believes Kenworthy knew what he was doing. Said, quote, he may have been one of those guys who likes to train. He knows to take higher position for a better view, to have a chance to take a long-range shot if he wanted to. He went on to say he's a person that unfortunately should not have been out, and the system failed in some manner. This person who had these serious charges was allowed to not be in jail until he faced him and was allowed to be on the street. And because of that, he left town to evade our charges, went to St. Louis, and unfortunately took the life of another person, and in this case, another one of our brothers, a police officer. So there you go. Yet another case of an individual who should have been behind bars, but instead was out on the streets. And that's why Thomas Kenworthy is today's recidivist report. Now, our uh, armed citizen story of the day, also uh, with a Florida connection, this time from a Tampa, excuse me, Tallahassee, Florida. 
where a man who uh, was originally facing uh, uh, charges after uh, pulling a gun on protesters turns out was acting in self-defense. It's amazing how, you know, sometimes the first details of the story uh, don't turn out to be the whole story. The uh, Tallahassee Democrat reports that uh, after more than 16 hours of silence following the incident, city of Tallahassee said in a release on Sunday afternoon that the uh, Tallahassee Police Department worked with the state's attorney's office to review what had happened uh, during this, uh, uh, what, what turned into a fist fight uh, on uh, Saturday evening outside of the uh, Florida Store Capitol building. The release said, quote, the evidence confirmed the physical altercation between numerous protesters and that individual was knocked to the ground and under attack before lawfully defending himself. Tallahassee Police Department confirmed that the individual with the gun was lawfully carrying a concealed weapon as a license holder. Uh, bystanders say the incident began as a counter-protester walked up to the crowd of roughly 150 people, began arguing with them, taking photos of their license plates. Uh, Tallahassee officers already on the scene directing traffic. Videos posted online don't uh, show how the fistfight began, but moments after it did, people started yelling. woman facing the camera screamed, he has a gun. As the camera regains focus, man seen holding a firearm, pointed at the mass protesters kneeling on the ground, then turns the gun towards the camera's officers closed in with weapons drawn, directed the man with the gun to get onto the ground. Uh, officers appeared to handcuff the man and take him away. Other officers told the crowd to disperse. Adam Ferguson, who identified himself as the man at whom the counter-protester pointed the gun, said the man instigated the fight when he shoved a female protester. When another protester shoved him back, the counter-protester uh, threw a punch that hit Ferguson's girlfriend. He said, uh, quote, it was just 60 seconds, but it felt much longer. I don't know why he would bring violence to a peaceful protest. When he pulled the gun out, it all went rank. And he uh, said that he is deeply upset that no charges uh, will be filed. Um, on the other hand, you've got uh, individuals who say that the Tallahassee Police Department uh, de-escalated the situation. That, uh, again, this fight was not started by the uh, counter-protester that the uh, first punch was thrown uh, by one of the protesters themselves. Uh, and again, according to the uh, Tallahassee Police Department, uh, this was a, uh, an act of self-defense. I am glad that nobody was hurt, as we were talking about with uh, uh, Tim just a couple of minutes ago. If you're going out there looking for a fight, stay home. I mean, I don't know how much more bluntly I can say that. If you're going out there spoiling for a fight, no matter what side it is, whether you want to try to burn it down to start a revolution, or whether you believe that you're going out there to try to defend somebody else's property or livelihood or even the American way of life. If you're going out to start trouble, stay home. Pretty simple. That's the best de-escalation technique that we have. Uh, unfortunately, I think that we do have Americans who want to escalate this. Uh, and from you know pretty much every sector of society, you can find that. You've got politicians who want to escalate uh, this chaos for what they believe is a, a, a political uh, uh, victory. You've got uh, media figures who alternately want to, I, I think, um, embrace the chaos because it leads to greater ratings. And then you've got those uh, members of the media who don't want to cover all these protests because they think that it hurts their political side. Uh, you know, again, we can talk about this for hours uh, but the uh, the bottom line is, uh, from my perspective, we do have a First Amendment right. It is equally as important as our Second Amendment right. The right to peaceably assemble, the right to protest is a real right, and I want to protect that right. But again, if you've got individuals within your group who are not out there to peacefully protest, 
you've got to shut them down. If you've got individuals who are out there not to peacefully protect property, but to try to instigate trouble, you got to shut that down. There, there are so many divides in this country right now, left, right, uh, gun owners, non-gun owners. You know, there are folks who want to try to make it a black-white uh, issue. But there's another divide. And John Stokes and I kind of talked about this last week on the program when we had him on. I think it was Friday. There's also a divide between those who want to protect their stuff and protect the people that they love and care about and those who want to destroy it and those who want the chaos. And I think on on that dividing line, the vast majority of Americans come down on the side of, I want to protect my stuff. I want to protect the people I love. I'm not out there looking for a fight. I'm not out there uh, spoiling for a fight. Not out there trying to bring the country down. I'm out there, if I'm out there, I'm out in my front yard telling people, stay away. All right, let's get to today's uh, good deed of the day before we start to wrap things up here. Charlotte, North Carolina, where a uh, Charlotte police officer has helped a uh, homeless woman off of the streets uh, her name is Demetrius Gonzalez. She's legally blind and disabled. At one point, she was living in a tent in the woods. And as you can imagine, she said, uh, quote, it was tough. Place was unsafe. Food was scarce. There was really no support. She said, I had nowhere to go. I needed to get help for myself and my sister, who was a uh, heart patient uh, in medical care, according to uh, WBTV. She said she didn't have much hope until a Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer, Kathleen Caffrey, from police animal control, stopped by. And Caffrey said, I made it my mission to get her out of the woods. She said, as a blind, disabled woman, uh, I knew that it was going to be very hard as it would be for anybody, but especially her and her three dogs. Demetrius Gonzalez says they wanted me off the streets quickly. So Officer Caffrey went to work. She created a network of helpers. A lot of nonprofits, churches, They were able to bring Gonzalez and her dogs food, toiletries, offered animal care, wanted to find her housing. Demetrius Gonzalez says what people don't know is that it took them nine months. But if that officer Caffrey and the police department had not been there, she would not have found a home at all. And after that nine-month period, Caffrey found Gonzalez a home there in Charlotte. She said, we got a U-Haul. We got all her stuff moved over here. I transported her dogs with the animal control van. We got her settled in. She's doing much better than she was in the woods. And Officer Caffrey said, it makes me feel great. I've never actually accomplished anything this big on the job. Now that I know that I can do it, I'm excited to do it for other people. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, Officer Kathleen Caffrey with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department, we thank you for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms. Cam and Company I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Until then, don't forget, you can subscribe to uh, Town Hall Media at YouTube. That way you never miss a program. Or if you like the audio version, you can uh, just check out Bearing Arms, Cam and Company on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, also, don't forget, you can become a VIP member of Town Hall Media. Get exclusive analysis, commentary, and more tomorrow. It's the return of the VIP Gold live chat with myself and Ed Morrissey from Hot Air. 
think we might have another special guest joining us as well. If you're a VIP Gold member, look forward to seeing you there. If you're not yet a VIP Gold member, go become one. And that way you can uh, take part in that live chat as well. Until we speak again, be well, be safe, be free. And we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.